0: On this episode, I'm here with Jay Lay, one of our team agents, to talk about what he's seeing in the market today, what clients are winning offers and how, and what we think is going to happen uh, in the year ahead. Action. Action. So I want to kind of start with um, just diving into, you've had, I mean, I know you closed some escrows this week, but I mean, you've been flirting in that five to 10 escrows at a time range here for a while. And one thing that I've been hearing a lot uh, in person and just on the social medias is kind of this concern of, well, okay, yeah, I'm tired of paying rent. You know, the, the rent thing is lifting the state law where my landlord might actually uh, kick me out if I don't pay and rent's going up, yada, 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 but I don't want to compete in this market. I can't compete in this market. It's, uh, it's nothing but the mysterious Bay area. Cash Buyer inflating prices. This is ridiculous. Um, but uh, are all of your clients Bay Area cash buyers? Uh, no, they aren't. No. So give me some examples, I guess, of maybe loan types, types of down payments. Who are these people that you're working with? Are these just they got they got a ton of cash, I mean, who you
1: got? So um, pretty much all of the above. I mean, I've been working with VA, FHA, conventional. So yeah, I mean, pretty much. The, the big three right there we've been working with and, and just been able to kind of coach them along and, and let them know what we're seeing in the market and and how much higher we think we should go or you know in terms of the purchase price and kind of you know our lenders have been great they've been able to you know get the job done pretty quick we're seeing 21 day escrows, 17 day loans 10 14 day appraisals maybe even faster but I think it's just a, a testament to our clients I mean they're they're well qualified buyers so we've definitely been fortunate so hats off to them to being coached and, and receiving the knowledge that we've been able to give them and, and educate them and put their best foot forward and and just listening and trusting us so
0: i think one of the big things is you know, you're saying well qualified and that's true but well qualified does not necessarily mean a huge down payment And I think a lot of people are equating those two things. So when you're talking FHA, you're talking three and a half percent down, even a lot of your conventional people, I think have been more like in the three to 5% down range, right? Not necessarily your 20 plus. Mm -hmm. Um, And then certainly VA, I mean, many of them aren't putting anything down, right? Um, You mentioned 21 day escrows. So in terms of how you've been writing competitive offers, Uh, Obviously escrow timeframe. I mean, what kind of things have you been including in offers or what kind of things have listing agents been asking for offers on the buy side in order for you to be competitive? Yeah,
1: so that's a good point. We, you know, and and well qualified also mean by, yes, they have maybe a smaller down payment. They're able to pay that monthly. So they've got a a pretty good job um, so they can attack, you know, the contract in that terms. Um, But really, you know, it's not always about money, right? listing sellers, listing agents and sellers, they want to see uh, quick timelines. Uh, maybe some even need longer timelines. They need a little bit of rent back. Um, so we've been able to have, you know, our buyers are able to offer maybe a month or two months of rent back um, free to them. Mm. Um, we've been able to maybe even, you know, we can offer to pay for, you know, title and escrow fees, maybe split those or even, you um, City transfer tax, county transfer tax, mm-hmm. um, just offering different types of things within the contract to make it a little bit more nicer on the eyes in terms of the seller. Yeah, just a good, clean
0: contract. I know one of the things that we're big on um, as a as a team is talking to listing agents to find out what is it your sellers looking for, and we're always baffled when on our listings, I um, think it's happened on your listings, it happens on mine we get offers from people that have never called us or talked to us. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting to me where it's like, especially if they write a really short escrow or something, there's times where I get an offer and you know, they're going to do it in 21 days or maybe even less. And my response is like my seller actually needs more time. Like if you had, Ask me, I would have said thirty at the quickest. Like, Mm -hmm. why are people guessing Mm -hmm. what we want when they could just ask us? Right. And on the same side, you know, I mean, sometimes there's only so much we can do, right? I mean, you call a listing agent and say, "Hey, you know, my client loves the home. We we've got a lot of flexibility. What can we do? What is a dream offer for your seller?" And we get those agents whose answer is like, "Well, I don't know. Write the best you can." And you're like, "Highest and best." And you're like, uh, There's really there's nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, if we asked your seller that, you you can't tell me a dream offer, and so that can be frustrating because. A seller does have a dream offer and it's a matter of if the listing agent has actually dove into those details with their client. right um and, and with that you know you have also been working with a lot of sellers and there's kind of been kind of three main options you've been offering sellers to help them in this market because in most cases a seller also has to buy something and that can be a stressful thing for people mm-hmm. you know what does that look like i need i've got equity but i do need quite a bit of equity because the home i'm going to buy is expensive and being able to make offers as a contingent buyer can be difficult. So um, what's that
1: kind of looking like as you've been counseling sellers through their options? So, you know, it's pretty basic. We come up with three options. You can, you know, we'll come to the home, talk about your goals and we'll take a look at the home and you know, we'll run comps and say, okay, you can either um, sell as is, um, or we can sell as is to an investor or option three would be um, maybe we can look at doing some upgrades to get a little bit return on investment and we can also discuss how those funds for the improvements can be paid for outside of or at the end of escrow um, so those are kind of our three options that we've been lining out for our sellers and hmm Yeah,
0: so when you're looking at either selling as is on the open market or selling as is to an investor Mm -hmm. um, I know you've had some clients choose the investor route Um, What's kind of the advantages? I guess of doing that because obviously, you know We're all about helping our clients get the best solution for them And so they have to weigh the pros and the cons Um, And you know one of the things I love about how you present things to your sellers is you don't just say like hey Like of those three options This is what you should do you lay out and make sure they understand the three options Mm -hmm. to choose for themselves So I guess what are the what are the factors? that have been causing some of your sellers to choose the investor route
1: well um, our investors you know they've got um, some flexibility so you know if a seller if that seller maybe needs to find another property they've been able to give a lengthy rent back or some time for a long escrow to be able to go out and find that new property and then maybe close simultaneously the, the sell side and then their buy side so it's really you know The the investor side, there's just more flexibility for our sellers. Yeah, it definitely makes um, a contingent offer
0: easier to make when you're trying to find your seller's next home Mm -hmm. because there's less variables, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's more of a sure thing. I know, like you know, when we kind of give the breakdown, um, especially when they're considering maybe doing improvements to their home. And there's pretty much always an upside, right? That's why investors are interested in the property, but there's also the time and the hassle. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one of the clients we were working with recently who was considering doing improvements to their home. Um, however, they didn't have an option to move out of the home. Right. And they had a lot of people in the home. They had an elderly family member they're caring for. And so the logistics of doing improvements while living there was going to be incredibly difficult, right. um, not to mention, you don't get as much value out of doing the improvements if if the home is still occupied and you can't see the improvements, yep. um, because you just have your personal belongings in there, right? Because um, I know that you you did end up um, helping a client go through some improvements um, on one of yours, but they had already moved out of state, right? right? So when you're dealing with an empty property, it's a lot different. Um, and I know on one of our other team escrows, um, we actually had a buyer that. Um, well, we had a couple of our buyers look at, at this property. It's the one over in Orangevale, right? And mm-hmm. and you represented the buyer who had been in the first round of offers. And the seller did choose to go with someone with a really large down payment um, of a couple hundred grand. And then all of a sudden it came back to the market. And another one of our buyers was interested in the property and ended up getting an escrow. They're an escrow on it now. And the big thing that I was hearing, and this is a, a recurring theme, is, yeah, we had this buyer that said they wanted it so bad and they had this huge down payment and they just changed their mind. And we've been starting to see it's sort of a weird thing where the, the market was so competitive for a while that people with the big down payment or maybe with cash or whatever are just wanting to win. And they're throwing these big offers on things and they're getting the escrow, then they're actually considering the property and realizing they really don't want it that bad because the reality is, I think listing agents are starting to learn that people with a big down payment have more options and are gonna be pickier. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually seeing some favors start to be given towards the person with the 3% down or the 5% down that is still fully qualified through underwriting and everything like you were speaking to before because they're maybe even more motivated and maybe more appreciative of the home. Right. The person that doesn't have the huge down payment but is still well qualified and it is not like they could also afford something that's a hundred grand more, they're a little more excited when they get that offer accepted and more likely to follow through, mm-hmm. I think. Right? Absolutely. Um, and so I think that you know, also, you know, back to the whole idea of the three options for sellers. When when a seller is considering who's gonna follow through, when they do know that this person has a buyer for their home and it's an investor, so it's a pretty sure bet, but also like they're ready to go. Even just the fact that they chose to line up an investor shows that they're serious and ready to make their next move. Yep. Um, So the other thing I wanted to kind of touch on that we were talking about a bit before we hopped on here is this idea of people getting kind of so hung up on specific issues. In fact, I was in a coffee meeting earlier this morning and we were talking about the idea of mellow roofs because I'm considering moving personally to an area that has some mellow roofs. And the guy I was talking to was like, oh yeah, you know, I used to live out there, but I didn't like the mellow roofs. To which I said, Sure. However, if you look at the home in the Melrose area to the non Melrose in this particular scenario, the homes sell for less. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a less monthly payment for the same sized home, even with the Melrose. And so what do I care about a Melrose, right? right? And I think that whether it's Melrose, whether it's property taxes, whether it's interest rate, we see people fixate Mm -hmm. on these things. Uh, Have you been seeing that? And how do you address that or advise your clients to, to look at that?
1: Sure. I mean, uh, a couple deals where, you know, they, we get an offer accepted and they might look at their, you know, the property taxes or interest rates and kind of get worried about it. But at the grand scheme of things, getting an offer accepted on a house that you really love, um, I would say that those, those variables all kind of, you know, even out depending on where you're going and, you know, the situation, um, so it's just talking through with them and educating them. If it's the interest rate, you know, we might be able to refi down the road, especially if they have PMI. You know, once they build up some equity, you know, just we can restructure it down the road. But let's get into something that you love now, mm-hmm. um, and you know, if you can afford it, then let's let's keep pushing forward. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much. I think uh, you know,
0: the the in the simplest form, it's like what you know, we want to make sure our clients understand what's going on in the background, but we also want to help them keep a macro view. And that macro view is how much you comfortable being out of -of out-of-pocket expenses to buy this home and how much you comfortable on a monthly basis for this home. Right. And then let us and the lender get creative in how we work those. Because you know, maybe having a little bit of a higher interest rate, puts you in a different loan type where your PMI is is a lot lower. So that keeps that monthly down maybe um, by prepaying some PMI. So a little more out of pocket is going to get that monthly down, you know, or, or, or maybe buying some points to get your rate down. So, you know, the lowest interest rate isn't always the best option. Mm -hmm. And again, back to the Melrose idea, there's some areas with Melrose that have a lower standard property tax. So when you combine them together, you're not much higher. And then you look at how much less the home might cost. It's like, you know, so I just think that anytime we fixate on one particular piece of the puzzle, we can we can kind of rob ourselves of an opportunity um, because next thing you know, okay, fine. We found the place that doesn't have any Melrose and we got the lowest possible interest rate. You're paying more every month. For a house that you, then you, then you could have somewhere else that you overlooked. So um, I think that's the big thing that it's just important for people to keep asking questions until you understand it. But don't don't fixate on one aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, give us that freedom to get you to your ultimate goal, which right. is how much out of pocket, how much a month for what house, mm-hmm. and let us guide you in how to get there. Um, the other thing that we're hearing is you know, okay, I could buy, but the market's, com- so the things we're hearing right is the market's crazy competitive. I don't know if I can compete. We've already addressed, you're getting buyers of all sorts into, into, properties right now. Then the other big thing is what if the market crashes? What's your, what's your take on that? What are you seeing? I mean, um, you know, we've, we, we know that in this area, the average agent, you know, is doing three to five deals a year. Um, you're on track to have done, you know, 10x that, you're probably gonna be closer to 30 than you are to three, that's for sure. Um, You know, well over Masters Club. So as you've been seeing these deals and watching the market,
1: what trends are you seeing? What do you you think is gonna happen next year? Uh, I think we're still on a steady pace. Um, I think we're still gonna see appreciation. Um, It all, you know, comes back to the low inventory, right? You know, hopefully we see more inventory next year, but the demand is just so high with these interest rates. I mean, even if interest rates still go up about a half percent, which people all start freaking out about it because, oh my gosh, it's not three anymore, below three, we're looking at three, five, maybe three, seven, five. It's like, I bought my first house, I think it was a 5% interest Mm rate. I mean, money is still cheap. So the demand for homes is still gonna be up there. Um, So, you know, depending on the inventory, if we get more homes to the market, Um, you know, I think there will still be a little bit of appreciation, obviously the supply and demand there, um, will take effect, but. Yeah, I, I truly believe that we're in a much better position than we were in 08. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a mortgage crisis, and the government stepped in and fixed that. And back then, they were giving out loans with zero equity. I mean, almost zero down. So yeah, when people had a default, they had to foreclose. Now, I think the stats, like, over 90% of Americans have over 10% mm-hmm. equity. So... They have enough to cover realtor fees plus make a little bit on top if they can't afford the home anymore. Mm-hmm. So they'll just end up selling. They won't foreclose. What I think is interesting too is I like to look at, you know, if, we if, sure, it, we don't have a crystal
0: ball. Could there be some sort of crash? Sure. What do we know for, for a fact, right? Let's, let's look at the facts of if we, so we know that population's been going up in this area at a faster rate than they're building homes. Right. So that's that's pure factual stats we can see. Mm-hmm. And the percentage of people that are in the first time buyer range, which is that 20s to 30s, um, is going up significantly and much faster than new homes are being built, right? People are living longer, having more kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's gonna keep that supply and demand issue going for a certain amount of time. Um, and what we also know is that rents are high now. So should something happen, where home, where people started to lose their homes or something weird, even though we're not even seeing anything point to that. And I guess a quick thing to point to is people were concerned about that with the whole forbearance issue and all that. We have seen the lenders come through and as long as people can make their payments, they're adding it to the end of their loan. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. This, this mass um, due to forbearance, this mass foreclosure, it's not a thing. So right. people are afraid of it being a thing, it's not a thing. Um, so if more people were sent into the rental market, Rents are only gonna go higher, they're not gonna go lower. So we know that if you stay put now, you're gonna pay really high rent. Right. That's a guarantee. The other one has the potential of spending about what you're spending on rent to own a home, and it's possible that then your home's value could go down, but if you're in a fixed interest rate, your payment doesn't change, you're still in the same place where you were. Mm-hmm. So what I think's is interesting is when people uh, rationalize taking a guaranteed not positive thing, <laughs> for fear that something could either be positive or could be neutral, really, because, again, if if what you're willing to pay for the house you have works for you, mm-hmm. Who cares what happens to value of a home? You know, we're, this is—it's a different story if we're talking about investors. Then we're going to look at what's your long-term investment strategy. Right. But if we're talking about someone who's going to live in the home, who cares? And and you mentioned two thousand eight. This the one you know we, know how, we could go into that on you know, for hours. But the one thing I'll touch on is a big part of what happened there too is that people were put in loans that were not fixed rate thirty-year loans. They had balloon payments. They were interest only. That at a certain point, mm-hmm. payments were going to go up significantly. And so what happened is the value dropped on their home, and then their payment was jumping up. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. We're not seeing that now. So we're talking about people being in a fixed payment. So if they're willing to pay twenty five hundred dollars a month for this house, right. who cares if their home's value cuts in half? They're still paying twenty five hundred dollars. They still have the house. Right. Um, so it's just a totally a different scenario. And so um, I think I just you know we really want to urge people again: don't get hung up in tiny little details, like specifically what the melovars are or what the interest rate is. Let's look at the macro. What are you willing to pay for a home? What does it work to you? Right. What is a comfortable payment? What are you willing to have out of pocket to do that? Yep. That's your guarantee.
1: Well, and you know, you and I have had that conversation in the past where you and I as individuals will never try and time the market. You know, if our situation calls for it, look at me, I bought a home and probably the historically highest prices ever. Yeah. And, I, and I'm getting ready to, right. in fact, considering even selling to an investor in the same way that we've
0: advised some of right. our clients for the same reasons our mm-hmm. clients do it, right? right? I have a new baby at home, all that to buy another home in the area ourselves. Yeah. So. Um, Exactly, I think, and again, I think that that also speaks volumes, right? Sometimes it's listen to what people say and also look at what they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, If we didn't
1: believe what we're talking about, um, you know, (laughs) we wouldn't be doing it ourselves. Well, and there's more to, of course, buying a home is an investment, but there's more to it on the money side. You can have ROI with enjoyment. You know, maybe I got a pool, so I'm gonna enjoy the heck out of that in the summer. Mm -hmm. So there's. You know, there's other things to enjoy rather than just seeing your equity go up.
0: Well, and not be worried about on an annual basis wondering if your rent's going to go up.
1: Right. Locking in that expense. I mean, something that's a stretch today. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, how big of a difference is it when you get a simple raise and now you're making two fifty more a month, and that payment keeps staying the same? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the probably one of the markets that I am most passionate about trying to help sooner rather than later is when we meet with these people that are maybe in their fifties and they've never owned anything. You know, they maybe they lease a car they lease an apartment or a house. And all of a sudden they're starting to look at this idea of wanting to retire in 15, 20 years. We've got to lock in those expenses. And it's just amazing. I mean, We we had a a chance of helping one of my personal friends this last year who got in their first house when it was a stretch. They were young, they were newly married. All of a sudden they had all this equity and they just bought a great place on an acre close to where we are here in Loomis that they never thought they could have done. Mm -hmm. Because they were literally like They've been practically matching their income <laughs> through the investment in their home. And right. so, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, um, historically, owning a home has never proven to be a bad investment. Absolutely. You know, the market's always going to ebb and flow. But as long as you're in a good quality, uh, stable mortgage, that's not going to change. Right.
1: You know, you can, you can weather those things. Because if it comes down a little bit, you still have a roof over your head and a fixed payment, like you said. So, I yeah. mean, let it come down a little bit. I'd probably write it back up, up yeah. So.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I want to finish with, um, you know, we've kind of touched on the trends in the real estate industry. I want to touch on a trend in pop culture and get your take on that. <laughs> Alan, what do you got for us here? Oh, boy. All right, Jeremy. We're gonna show you a little video and uh, we just want to get your honest feedback in, uh, you know, one to five sentences here.
1: <laughs> oh, island boys. an island boy, and trying to I'm an island boy. <laughs> So he already knows it. Oh yeah. So, what's your hot take, Jeremy? Oh man, I mean, good for them, right? They made a video and they're millionaires now. I mean, I think they were well off with their family fortune at the beginning. They live in Florida on an island somewhere, but um, that's the Island Boys. Island Boys. Um, but I mean, good for them. I mean, they're, they created something that, that went out to the mass public and they ate it up and loved it. So you mentioned you have a pool. Will we see you soon wearing joggers in your pool? I, I would, I I absolutely think so. Well, we look forward to it. Thanks for your time. Yep.